0: Welcome to the Legacy Teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles, please, if you would, to the book of Daniel in chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. And I would like to continue our series, I guess you could call it a series, that we're doing on answering probing Bible questions. We have a lot of questions about certain things that will take place. And we've been talking about the end time events that are going to take place and answering certain questions. And really the reason why we're doing this is because we want to inform people and enlighten them as to what's going to take place in the end times. Also, I really believe that as we teach along this line, we inspire people to live right before God today. Amen? I believe the teachings on the end time events are designed to help people live right today. To live the kind of life that God wants them to live. It motivates us to live that kind of a life because understanding what is about to unfold touches us within our hearts And really inspires us to do the right thing before God. Because we don't want to be a part of the wrath of God. We want to have uh, salvation. Amen? Amen? And so we are going to continue our study. And we're going to begin looking at Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 in a moment. Let me just reiterate a few things to get some people caught up as to what things we've already talked about. We talked about the fact that the door to the end of all things has already been opened. An open door doesn't mean that you've entered into the end of it all exactly. It just means the door is open. You can open up the door over there, that door to this church, and you've entered into it, but you haven't gone through the whole entire church building. Isn't that true? So the door can be open and you have entered in, but it doesn't mean you've exited the building. You just begin walking through. Well, the door was open when Israel became a nation in 1948. And then in 1967 the nation of Israel took over once again possession of the ancient city Jerusalem. And Jesus said, when you see those things happening and unfold before you, know that you're at the very door of the beginning of the end. And so that happened in our time, in our generation, a time that we know about. And so we can boldly say then we have definitely entered into the beginning of the end of all things because of that event that took place as predicted by Jesus himself. Also, we know the next event that's going to take place on God's schedule is what? The rapture of the church. This is a timeless and a signless event that's about to occur. It can take place, in other words, at any time and no more signs are needed. There's not one more sign that is needed. Somebody says, well, doesn't the gospel have to be preached, first of all, into all nations? And then the end will come. That's not talking about the rapture. That's talking about the second advent of Christ, which is at the end of the tribulation period. And therefore, we understand that there's not another sign that needs to be done in this realm before the rapture takes place. Jesus could come at any moment. Perhaps tomorrow. Perhaps this evening. Jesus could come at any time. And that's the next event that's going to take place as far as God's schedule is concerned. Well, when that takes place, saints are going to move to heaven. I like to call it moving day. Amen? And it'll be the smoothest transition of your life. People say moving is not an easy thing to do. No, not in a natural, but when God's involved in moving, all you've got to do is Be ready. And off you go, and He moves us right into heaven and ushers us right into the presence of the Heavenly Father. We get caught up in that glorious heavenly sphere. We see Jesus and behold His glory. Saints are rewarded for the deeds that they did in their body, right? The rewards are passed out, and then we enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. At that time, we come into complete and total harmony Not only with Jesus, but also with each other. No more differences. No more opinions that don't harmonize with each other. No more strife or anything like that. We see eye to eye on all things. (laughs) Isn't that a marvelous statement to make? Something that you can't even think about right now because there are so many differences that exist among believers today. But at that time, perfect harmony with God and all believers. What a wonderful time. In Daniel chapter 9, we are going to attempt to answer the next question. How does one know that the church will not go through the tribulation? How can one know that the church will not go through what is called the tribulation? Let's begin reading at Daniel nine 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the prince shall be 7 weeks and 3 score and 2 weeks the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times and after 3 score and 2 weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with the flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolation, or the desolate. How does one know that the church will not experience the tribulation period? I realize today that there are different types of beliefs that people maintain. There are those that believe in post-trib, there are those that believe in mid-trib, and there are those that believe that we're going to be out of here and gone pre-trib before the tribulation period time comes. Now that's what I strongly believe and I'm going to give you some scriptural references I believe that will help you better understand why the church will not be here during the tribulation period. Anybody here wanting to be here during the tribulation period? Anyone believing to be here for the tribulation period? I don't think so. Well, let's begin by, first of all, going up to verse 24 once again and seeing some things that God said about that time. Seventy weeks are determined... Upon, Notice the expression, thy people and upon thy holy city. Thy people is a reference being made to the people of Israel, the Jewish people. Seventy years are determined upon thy people, Israel, or the Jews, and thy holy city, which is what? Jerusalem. Seventy weeks are determined. Now, the term 70 weeks involves a 77-year period. In other words, 70 periods of 7 years, which is 7 times 70, or 490 years are determined upon thy people. In other words, there are 490 years left upon your people, that's God's people, the Jews, and also thy holy city, which is Jerusalem. If you break that down, you'll discover that it's a, There are three periods involved here, and we'll see that in a minute. But he's talking about the Jews, he's talking about Israel as a nation, he's talking about the holy city, Jerusalem, and he says there are 490 years left to do what? Well, let's read on. To finish the transgression. There are six things that needs to be done, that God needs to do. And these six things involve, once again, Israel, the Jewish people, and also the holy city, Jerusalem. To number one, finish transgressions. Transgression here in the Hebrew really means to rebel against authority. To rebel against authority. And when Jesus came from heaven with authority upon this earth, as always, the Jews or the Israelites rebelled against His authority. Did not not believe that He was the Messiah and as a result they failed to receive Him and were cut off from God's favor as a nation. That's the first thing that God has to deal with. They were cut off from God's favor as a nation and God has got to deal with that. That has not been dealt with yet. Secondly, to make an end of sins. Israel from the beginning was always walking away from the things of God. They were always in rebellion time after time after time. You read throughout their history and you discover any time they ever served God, it was for a short time and then they began to rebel. It was their nature to rebel. They could not keep the law. They wanted to do things their own way and they once again, rebelled against God and had to be interceded for and brought back to Him time and time and time again. Well, that is something that's going to be dealt with by Jesus at His second coming. When He comes in His second advent, not the rapture of the church, but in His second advent, He is going to deal with that and Israel will never again disobey God. They have lived a life of rebellion, but they are going to enter into a time where they will serve God and be obedient unto Him forever. The third thing that hasn't been done yet, the third thing that needs to be dealt with is to make reconciliation for iniquity. Israel as a nation has yet to accept the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. They have not accepted His sacrifice as the propitiation for their sins. They don't believe He was the Messiah. They're still looking for their Messiah to come. So therefore, they can't believe in the new covenant and do not believe in the blood that was shed for their redemption. That is something that has yet to be dealt with, but it will be dealt with by God. But I want you to notice the church believes in the blood of Christ. Israel as a nation doesn't. God is not dealing with the church. God has to deal with the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, and the holy city, Jerusalem. Fourthly, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. To bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, when Israel as a nation opens up their hearts to the lordship of Jesus Christ and accepts His blood as the eternal sacrifice for mankind it's at that time that eternal righteousness will be ushered in. You see, right now and in the past, they only lived under limited righteousness. When they offered up sacrificial uh, animals to sacrifice for their sins, they had a type of limited righteousness. God intended for them to experience the righteousness that is by faith that we experience in our lives because of the blood of Christ. But because they rebelled... And because they turn their backs on Him, they have not accepted the righteousness of God that comes in the person of Jesus Christ. But when they do, and that is dealt with, then eternal righteousness will be ushered in. Another thing that has to be dealt with is to seal up the vision and prophecy. That's number five. And all six of these things involve Israel as a nation, the Jewish people, and the holy city Jerusalem. To seal up the vision and the prophecies. In other words, to fulfill all the prophecies that ever went out about Israel as a nation and Jerusalem as a city. They all have to be fulfilled and then sealed. In other words, there will never be ever, ever again a time when prophetic utterance has to go forth making any type of prediction about Israel as a nation or the city of Jerusalem. God is not going to need that. Why? Because Jesus will be here. He'll be living in the temple. He'll be ruling and reigning. And there won't be any need for that. That hasn't been dealt with yet. All the prophecies haven't been fulfilled yet. So God still has to deal with that. Can you see all this? And then finally, the last thing talked about here, number six, is to anoint the Most Holy. And if you read this through and study it out, you'll find out it's talking about a most holy place. To anoint a most holy place. What is that making reference to? Well, first of all, something has to be dealt with by Jesus when He comes. And that is, He has to cleanse the holy of holies. He has to cleanse the temple. He has to cleanse the holy city, Jerusalem, from what? The desolation, the abomination of desolation that is being talked about here in Daniel. See, during that period of time, that tribulation period, there will be abomination of desolation. It will involve the holy city. It will involve the temple and the holies of holies that is set up. And when Jesus comes, that has to be dealt with. He has to cleanse that place to make it a holy place once again and set up His millennial temple so that He'll rule and reign for 1,000 years. That has to be done. That has to be dealt with. Now, all that involves Israel as a nation. And it involves Jerusalem as a city. Now, there are three periods connected with this particular revelation that was given to Daniel. Look at the next verse, verse 25. Know, therefore, if God says to know something, then He wants us to know something. Now, listen carefully, everybody. Even young people out there, you might think, this is too difficult for me to understand. It's not. We're going to make it very plain, And simple. And you know what? If you really want to learn something from God, don't say, I can't understand. Don't say, I will never know. You are blocking the Spirit of God from entering in and imparting to you the revelation that you need. And if you're out there and you think, oh, what does this have to do with my life? The main thing it has to do with your life is to stir you up now to get you living right for God now. Saints, listen to me. Jesus can come at any moment. Young people, listen to me. Jesus can come before you graduate high school. It's a signless and timeless event. That means that you don't need another sign. And as far as time goes, it can happen in the twinkling of an eye. And we're living at that time right now. So it can happen at any moment. And we've got to know that. So let's listen carefully. Know therefore. Say, I can know and I can understand. God sent His Spirit to impart to me understanding and knowledge. So you start talking like that and the Spirit of God will cooperate together with you and give you the understanding that you need to have. Now, if you can count and if you can add, it'll be very simple for you to understand. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem... Under Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. Everybody say seven. seven? That's simple enough, right? What's seven times seven? So the first part of this prophecy is talking about how many years? 49 years to build. They have 49 years. From the time the decree went out to build once again the wall and all that was 49 years to its completion. So, 49 years or 7 weeks is the first division of these three divisions. The second period of time is 62 weeks. Everybody say 62. Quickly, what's 62 times 7? 434 years. 434 years. After that period of time, 434 years, it says what? What will happen? To build Jerusalem under the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks, or 62 more years, or 434, which is a total of 483 years. In other words, after 483 years, when the Messiah is cut off, there'll be only one week left upon God's people, Israel, the Jews, and the holy city, Jerusalem. And all those 483 years came, and they're gone. And at the end of the 483rd year, the Messiah was cut off. His name was Jesus. Now listen carefully. These events that took place literally were fulfilled concerning Israel as a nation and concerning Jerusalem as a city. They were all fulfilled just as it was predicted and prophesied. And they all came to pass. Even to the time when the Messiah was cut off, when Jesus was crucified, that meant the 483rd year came to an end. How many years were left? How many weeks of Daniel's 70 weeks are left? One week, seven years are left, and the end of all things. But wait a minute. Something happened that was not revealed here something happened that was not predicted. It was called the mystery age. The age of the church. The insertion of the time of the Gentiles. It was as if God took His stopwatch, clicked off the time of the Jew, after 483 years, clicked on the time of the Gentile, and we've been in the time of the Gentile for nearly 2,000 years now. And you see, during that particular time, which is called the church age, God has been dealing with the Gentiles. The door to the Gentiles and their salvation was open. And Paul began to preach and others began to preach. And the Gentile world began to become evangelized. And people everywhere from all walks of life were able to come and accept Jesus Christ and His blood as the sacrifice for sin, right? Right? And we've been busy doing the work of the Lord all these years called the church age or the time of the Gentile. See, this was not prophesied. It was not predicted here. No one knew anything about it. But it's been going on for nearly 2,000 years. Well, lo and behold, Israel became a nation in 1948. The nation took over the property of, of this ancient city Jerusalem in 1967 after the Six-Day War. And the door is now open to the end of all things and the time of the Gentile is about to click off and the time of Daniel's last seven years are about to click on. The focus is off the Gentile, off the church, on the nation of Israel, on Jerusalem, the holy ancient city. Can you see that? Is that? Isn't that easy to understand when you look at it that way? See, they thought the seven years were going to be in succession. You know, right after the 483rd should come the 484th year, but it didn't come. Because God clicked off the time of the Jew, clicked on the time of the Gentile, and He's about to click off the time of the Gentile when He says, Come up hither to the church. And I'll show you that in a minute. Turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Israel rejected Christ. As a result of their unbelief, they were cut off from God's favor. And you remember their statement. What did they say? Let His blood be upon us and our generations forever. Isn't that what they said? That's exactly what they said. And so they've been living under that curse ever since they rejected Christ. As predicted by Jesus, their nation was no longer a nation. In A.D. 70, what took place, Jerusalem was overtaken by the Gentiles and has been under Gentile dominion until 1967, as predicted by Jesus. But when that event occurred, he said know the time and the season that when that happens, the end of all things is at hand. You're at the very door. When their dominion ended, it meant the time of the Gentiles coming to a close and Jewish time is about to click back on. Jerusalem was destroyed, as Jesus said. None of these above six events that we talked about in Daniel have been fulfilled yet. It's going to come to pass soon. Look at 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. Let's begin reading at verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word or by letter as from us, as that that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. You see why the temple's got to be cleansed? How many of you can see that? Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? Wouldn't you have loved to have been there and listened to Paul talk about those end time things? And now ye know what withholdeth, listen, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Beloved, if the first 483 years of Daniel's prophecy involved Israel and Jerusalem, does it not stand a reason that the last seven years also involves Israel and Jerusalem? But there is something, someone in the earth right now, when Paul was writing and still right now, that is called the hinderer of lawlessness. There is some force in the earth right now that is preventing the Antichrist from being revealed. And the question is, what is that restraining power on the earth that is preventing the Antichrist from being revealed? What is it? Is it governments? Someone said, it's governments. Governments will be destroyed and the Antichrist will be revealed. No, it's not governments. Well, what is it? I know someone said, it's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is going to be taken out. No, it's not the Holy Ghost because if you read and understand during the tribulation, people will still be saved and the Holy Ghost will still be here. He said He's coming to abide with you forever. He's not leaving. Then what is that hinderer of lawlessness? What is that force in the earth that is preventing the Antichrist from being revealed? Every one of you sitting out there in the pew. It's the church. The body of Christ. As long as the body of Christ is in the earth, God's wrath cannot be poured out. As long as the body of Christ is in the earth, the Antichrist cannot reign in power because he doesn't have power over the church. Can you say amen? He doesn't have any authority over you. He has no authority over me. So as long as we're here, He can't rule anybody. But listen carefully. When when we exit and we're out of here, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. You know, we talk about people walking out from beneath God's grace and when they do, they expose themselves to all kinds of demonic activities. Well, you think about when the church is taken out and there's nobody left here to be the salt of the earth. Salt preserves. you know you're a preserving agent right now in the earth? And we are preserving the earth and keeping it so that it's not under the fiery judgment of God. But the hinderer of lawlessness one day is going to be removed. And when the church is raptured out, which is before Daniel's 70th week takes place, And we say, hasta la vista. Look out. I want to show you this in the book of Revelation chapter 4. Adios amigos. Don't wait to pack your bag. Your bag will be packed. You say, but I've got, you don't know what I've got to do. I'm going to meet Jesus. I need my lipstick and blush and all this. No, you don't. Ladies, you're going to have glorified bodies. So get the curlers out and forget about them. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Glory to God. In Revelation chapter 4, the first three chapters of Revelation is Jesus talking to John about the conditions of the churches. Correct? Then in chapter 4 in verse 1, after this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. You ready for this? A door was opened in heaven. A door. A specific door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. When that trumpet sounds, it sounds reveling. That trumpet sound always refers to a gathering. When Israelites gathered together there was always a tr- the sound of a trumpet which meant there was a gathering. Okay? This door in heaven is going to open. There will be the sound of a trumpet And there will be a gathering together. Which said, Come up hither. It will be so penetrating, it will penetrate the deepest depths of the sea. It will penetrate the graves that will be opened. And those that sleep in Christ will rise. And we that are alive on earth and remain will be caught up together And together, together, you get that? Together, together, the sound, the trumpet sound, Reveille, it's time to gather together to fall in line. The door of heaven is open on that day so that the hinderer of lawlessness is removed from the earth. And it's after that event that occurs that the church is gathered and brought up hither, moved to heaven, that can you see now on earth all this evil all this ungodly activity will begin to take place because there is no hindering force? You realize that your prayer on earth hinders the works of darkness? How many of you believe that today? Well, what about when you're out of here and you're gone? There'll be people that are going to get saved, but what do they know about prayer? The only prayer they're going to understand about is, I better make Jesus my Savior and Lord. Now, I'm not saying they can't be taught, but there's a short time, three and a half years... Do you think they can do in three and a half years what we couldn't do in 2000? Mm-mm. It's going to be a horrible time on earth during that seven-year period called Daniel's 70th week. And ask me the question once again, Pastor, What did you say that can happen? Any moment. See, we have to be mindful of this, don't we? We get so caught up in, oh, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, I'm going to have this, 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 this. Any moment, the rapture can take place. There's not one more thing that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. We can be out of here tonight. We have to be mindful of that. It it informs us it inspires us to live right also before God. So the church is gathered up. Come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. We enter into the presence of the Lord. We see Jesus up there. And Revelation chapter 5 is fulfilled. Glory to God. We see the Lamb as he had been slain. And we begin to worship him and glorify and magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What happened there? That hasn't been fulfilled yet. He is caught up. We are caught up. All the saints of God are there with the beasts and the elders and Jesus comes. He takes the book out of the one that sits upon the throne sealed with seven seals. He, he is the one who is worthy to take the book and loose the seals thereof because He redeemed us to God by His blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. Made us to our God, kings, and priests. He comes and takes the book. The elders and the priests bow down before Him having every one of them and golden vows full of voters of are the prayers of saints And they sing a new song saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. All this is taking place in heaven while the earth is getting ready for tribulation. We're up there glorifying God, seeing Jesus as He had been slain. I don't know if you can stand it. Can you? Is your heart ready for this? We will see Him as He had been slain. Remember Thomas said, I want to see the prince in your hands. I want to thrust my hand into your side. I want to see the marks of your crucifixion. We'll be caught up. We'll see Him as He had been slain. And we will bow down and worship Jesus and say, You are the worthy Lamb who redeemed us to God by Your blood. The heavenly host will join together with us and they'll sing a new song saying, You're worthy to receive all glory. Hallelujah. We'll enjoy the marriage feast of the Lamb after we have our rewards and and experience the judgment seat of Christ where we'll all be judged for the deeds that we did in our body and all that. But then down on earth, something else is going to take place. And that's our next question. What is going to happen on earth during the tribulation? Now listen, the reason why the church isn't going through the tribulation is because the church is hindering the revelation of the Antichrist and the judgment of God. And as long as we're here, we're in the way. Someone thought, the reason why he's coming to get us is because we have achieved a degree of glory. (laughs) I'm sorry to burst your bubble. (laughs) It's not going to be that way. I mean, thank God he's coming for a spotless church, but as long as you have somebody being born again yesterday, there'll be a wrinkle in his character. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that? So listen, we're just going to be in the way at that time. (laughs) So he says, hey, you guys, out of there. We're caught up. We're there in the sky, in, in heaven. And now the unfolding of this last seven years of tribulation on earth. So let's look at that in Matthew 24, if you would, please. What happens on earth during this particular time that is called the tribulation? Matthew 24, many other scriptures will be fulfilled, but in Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 4, we have some light. Jesus, in Matthew 24, was never talking about the rapture of the church. He was talking to Israel. He's talking about the end-time events of His second coming and all that. Verse 4, 24-4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in My name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet. For a nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Once we leave, there will be chaos on the earth. Do you realize that? Chaos will come to the earth when the church exits. All kinds of things will take place. You're not going to have the prayers of saints tempering the character of the ungodly. You're going to have reckless abandon. Even nature itself will rebel at the fact that we're gone. There'll be earthquakes. You know why there'll be pestilence? No one will know they're redeemed from the curse. We're gone. Famine? Because people won't know you can believe God for your sustenance. See, the church will leave... See, beloved, I don't believe we realize how powerful we are. The church, that is, of Jesus Christ on the earth today is a powerful force. More powerful than the church itself recognizes. And that's why Paul prayed, the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened to know the power that God has given us in the resurrection. Isn't that what he prayed for in Ephesians chapter 1? Yes. And so listen, we're gone and these things will begin to unfold upon the earth. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now remember, let's not think of the United States of America. Let's think about the reforming of the old, the new and revised Roman Empire with the ten nations gathered together and the ten kings of all the nations and the Antichrist is going to be seated. Let's begin to think Along those lines, because that's where this activity is going to take place. In Jerusalem, the ten nations, the revised Roman Empire, all that's going to take place, and that's where the tribulation is going to hit hard right there. God's not dealing with the church. The church is gone. He is dealing with Israel. He's dealing with Jerusalem. He's dealing with the old Roman Empire and the nations that are going to come against Israel to destroy Israel. And they shall and then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Why? Will they hate one another? Because the agape love that was shed abroad in our hearts is gone. If someone just gets saved during that time, I don't know where you are at in love, but it takes more than three and a half years to get perfected in love. Wouldn't you say? And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many and because iniquity shall abound. What will happen on earth? Iniquity will abound. If we think iniquity is abounding now, we haven't seen the the tip of the iceberg. Can you imagine when the church is gone how much iniquity will abound? You can't find hardly any good thing on the news today and we think it's bad. We haven't seen the half of it. At that time, it's going to be horrible. Horrible. Iniquity will abound. The love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. It's going to be something to make Jesus at that time savior and lord of your life. Because you will undergo persecution. What's going to happen? Iniquity will abound. There'll be war, there'll be famine, pestilence, earthquakes like the world has never seen. The Jews will be persecuted like they've never seen. And the one that will do the persecuting is called the whore or the mystery Babylon or the religious system of the day. And they will persecute Israel. Why? Because the nation of Israel is not going to be happy about the fact that this religious system is going to rule the nation. See, the Antichrist is going to come out of Syria. The ten kings are going to be the ten heads of the other nations that align together. Israel, the Jews as a nation, they never want anybody to be, be involved with their religious system. They're not going to be happy. They, once again, are going to rebel. But you see, the Antichrist is going to fool them or deceive them in the beginning of the three and a half years because he's going to pretend like he's going to protect them from the other nations. And, of course, just becoming a nation once again, they want to be protected, don't they? They want this to remain established and they want to occupy Jerusalem, their holy city, don't they? And so they'll be deceived. They'll make a covenant with the Antichrist for the first three and a half years. It'll be broken by him, which we'll see back in Daniel, which was prophesied that it will be broken by him then. And all of a sudden, you talk about tribulation. You talk about chaos. The Jews are going to experience a time of, of persecution like they have never, never before. And this is going to really lead them to a place where their eyes eventually are going to be opened. Now I want you to follow me as we go on back to the book of, um, well let's look at Matthew 24, let's go up to verse 15. Instead of going back to the book of Daniel where we have the, the, the three divisions, just remember what we said back there. Sixty-nine years have already passed. Sixty-two and seven have already gone. 483 years have come and gone upon Israel and Jerusalem. Now the last seven years are going to unfold. These are called the time of tribulation. Tribulation is divided into two periods. One called the lesser tribulation. The other one called the greater tribulation. Only because the lesser tribulation means that the persecution and the events that are unfolding will be lesser by degree than the greater. It will still be persecution. It will still be iniquity abounding like the world's never seen before, but it will be lesser in the first three and a half years than the greater, which is the last three and a half years of tribulation. Verse 24, verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Remember he said that? that the Antichrist is going to make this covenant with Israel and for the first three and a half years they're going to be thinking that, oh, this is wonderful, this is glorious, this is great. They'll think their Messiah has come. But at the middle of the week, three and a half years into the tribulation period, after they experience the lesser tribulation, is going to unfold the greater tribulation. During the first three and a half years, There'll be martyrdom. People, for example, that have sat in churches like ours, who sat back there somewhere and thought, I should get saved someday. Maybe that preacher is right about what he's saying about end times. I want to make Jesus my Savior, but you know, I've got other things to do. I've got a party for a while, then let me think. I've got a party for a while, then let me think. I've got a party for a while, and and then I have to party. See? Then I'll get saved. Well, lo and behold, Jesus came, we're out of here, we've exited, and there you are still partying. Then you think, Uh oh. Your friends are still here because they party with you. But you know that the Christians that you knew are gone. And now you're afraid. And you think, I better get saved. But then you think to get saved means martyrdom. You know, like beheading. Hmm. Let's evaluate this whole scenario. Is that what you want for your life? Is that what a person should want for his life? It's going to happen. In the first three and a half years, those who knew about the rapture, those who know about salvation, will then fear the tribulation... And they'll get saved. But they will die for Christ. They'll die a martyr's death. The Jews will undergo persecution, as we already said. The last three and a half years will be more severe in persecution upon the Jews. The Antichrist will seek to destroy Israel. It says right here, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand At that time, Israel will know they've been deceived. The Jewish people will recognize that the Antichrist has deluded them. And now they fear for their nation. They fear for their survival. They fear for their existence. You don't think about the Gentiles in any regard other than they will be aligned against the Jews. Think about it. How long have they been persecuted? By whom have they been persecuted? And at that time, with no church, the Jews are going to be a most hated people upon the face of the earth, and the nations will align against them to destroy them and wipe them off the planet. Can you see all this unfolding? The Antichrist will make himself to be God. What did Jesus, or what did Satan want to do? Rise up above God, be like God, overtake God. The Antichrist will actually think as he seats himself upon his throne that he is going to rule. And they'll all be aligned against Israel and the Jewish people. You've never seen people gather like the Jews. When the trumpet sounds, they gather. And when God began to sound his trumpet that they could hear, they began to regather as a nation. They don't want to lose that. They just got their city. They don't want to lose that. They'll fall victimized to any deceit. And they will be deceived. And there they'll be. And now they are in a heap of trouble. They are about to be exterminated. Daniel prophesied it. Let's read on. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountain. Notice this if this is involving any part of the church, the church is going to have to move to Judea. Right? Because that's where all this is going to take place. And you know what? I know some have have said this, but it's really not true. It's a fallacy. Tribulation, during that time, it's not going to affect the whole world like people think as much as it's going to affect Israel and the ten kingdoms. What ruler have you ever heard of that's going to take over the whole world? and be effective in ruling the whole world, making people in the United States of America keep laws, or in Russia keep their laws, if they're they're reigning out of Jerusalem. See, all this goes back to Jerusalem. All this goes back to the nation of Israel. And this tribulation begins to take place here, and that's why he says, look, If you're in Judea, flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. Why? Because in wintertime, you're going to have to flee. And when you flee, it's cold outside. You're not going to have any safety or protection. And woe unto those that are... uh, obviously, if you're out there and you're ready to give birth, you're going to have a hard time. And also, pray that it's not on a Sabbath day. Why? Because you can't do that kind of manual labor on a Sabbath day. You've got to observe observe the Sabbath day no matter what comes your way. See, they're under a different law once again. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time nor ever shall be. For then shall be great tribulation. See, great tribulation. This is the greater part of it. Like the world has never seen. You talk about way back, the first judgment, the pre-Adamite age. Then you talk about the time of Noah. And you talk about all the judgment that has ever been poured out upon the face of the earth with the earth opening and, and people dying. The world has never seen the tribulation like will come at that time, the last three and a half years. And he goes on to say, And except those days be shortened, there shall be no flesh saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false prophets and all that. And then look up to verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. How many... This is an event that's going to, or a sign, let's say it this way, a sign that's going to show the next event, which is the second coming of Christ. You see, the rapture has already taken place, and it's signless. But the second coming is not signless. Before Jesus comes to save and deliver Israel from extinction, these signs are going to occur in the sky. But let's back up just for a moment. The Antichrist is going to seek to destroy Israel, as it said in Daniel 9, 27. And when that takes place, God is going to bring judgment. See, God's not pleased with what is about to unfold. And He is going to defend Israel as a nation. He is going to fight for them. But if you can see it, if you can picture it right now, During this tribulation period, all these awful events begin to take place. The wrath of God is going to be poured out. There is reckless abandon upon the face of the earth. There is deception. There is iniquity. There is no love. There's false peace that enters into a type of tribulation like the world's never seen. And then the most awful of events is about to occur. Extinction with regard to Israel. Do you realize if God allowed that to happen, He would have violated or breached His covenant that He made with Abraham? He could not let that happen. He would be a liar if He did. And so what's going to take place then? Right here. At a time when they're just about to be destroyed, all of a sudden, the sun will be darkened when they all align against Israel when they're ready to wipe out and e- extinguish the very life out of Israel as a nation and take over Jerusalem the sun will be darkened the moon shall not give her light the stars from heaven shall or shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He shall send His angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. Now, if we can put this together, this is the event that takes place called the second coming of Christ at the end of the tribulation period when the earth is experiencing, and in particular, over there in the Middle East, experiencing tribulation like the world's never seen. All kind of cataclysmic events occurring, earthquakes, famine, pestilence. I mean, we say the word pestilence, we have no idea. Can you imagine being overcome by the frogs, overcome, you know, by by the scabies and all the different insects and diseases? Can you imagine all that taking place all around you and how awful it's going to be? And now we're all about to be destroyed and then Jesus appears in the sky. If you recall Acts chapter 1 verse 11, Jesus was ascending into heaven and he was seen ascending into heaven by his disciples. And the angel said, why gaze ye up into heaven? For the Son of Man shall come as you see him again, right? And he is going to come to the earth once again and when he does, he is coming here as the scripture said, in the clouds of heaven with power, with great glory, with angels, with the sound of the trumpet, and we're going to gather together. Now listen, here's the event. The tribulation period is about to close with the return of Jesus Christ and His second advent coming to the earth to defend Israel. Turn with me to Revelation, if you would please, in chapter 19, and we'll close it right here. Here's what takes place. And if this doesn't put the fear of God into us, we've got to go back to school. Because, beloved, I believe in our generation there is a lack when it comes to the fear of God. There are people in churches everywhere thinking they can live like they want to live. But the Bible says we have got to be ready. We have got to watch. We've got to lift up our eyes and live because Jesus is coming soon. And soon doesn't mean 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. It's timeless. It's signless. He can come tonight. We have got to be motivated to live like He is coming tonight. Any moment our lives have got to be right. There's no time for us really to make Him right. We've got to get them right now. Don't wait 20 years to think I'm going to get it right then. Get it right now. Can you say amen? And after these things, I heard a great voice. Now, right on through chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, all these chapters in Revelation is really a summary of the great tribulation period. All these things take place on earth. They don't affect us because we're in heaven with the Lord, but it will affect the people on earth. People will get saved. The 144,000 will be on earth. There'll be a evangelization going on. They'll be raptured out. The two witnesses will come and all that. But at the end of it all, Israel is about to be extinguished, exterminated from the earth. All of a sudden, the sun is turned to darkness. The moon gives off no light. The stars fall from heaven. All of a sudden, what happens? I believe Jesus then begins to come. And here's what happens. Look it. After these things I heard in verse 1, a great voice of much people in heaven saying, "Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He hath judged the great whore, the religious system of the day, the great, that mystery of that Babylon, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as a voice of many waters, as a voice of mighty thunders, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor unto him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. His wife hath made herself ready. To her it was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, and, and, and arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints, he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at His feet and worshipped Him. He said unto me, See thou, not, thou do it not? I am a fellow servant and servant of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open. Listen. We just got done enjoying this great celebration. Everything is Wonderful. People are worshiping God. It is so loud, it's like thunderous voices throughout the heavenly realm of glory. And these shoutings of praise, we're having this feast, it's a glorious thing. But God is concerned. He knows what's going on in the earth. Israel's about to be exterminated. All of a sudden, heaven is open. Behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He is clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him. You see what he does? He feeds us, he strengthens us with the heavenly manna. He builds us up. And then the armies of heaven gather, and the door is open. And Jesus, the leader, the captain of our salvation, knowing that Israel is in distress, comes in the clouds. Fire is in His eyes, full of great power and glory, vengeance and wrath. He is going to defend Israel. His vesture is dipped in blood. He is the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed Him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of His mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword that he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod and iron. He treadeth the winepress and the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings, Lord of lords. And it goes on to talk about the angel, but let's put it all together in a nutshell. At the end of this week, Jesus is going to return, the end of the seventh year. He is going to defend Israel and lead God's army into the battle of what is called Armageddon. See, it talked about a flood. It'll be a flood of blood. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins